Heavenly Father, we pray that um, we thank you that for your incredible goodness. You know, we sing you're a good, good Father, your mighty God, the creator of the universe, the God who is holy, the God who is a consuming fire, and yet you reveal yourself as a Father who loves, who cares, who desires for a deep and lasting and intimate relationship with his creation, his children. And so we say thank you this morning. And uh, no matter how much we believe or we're not sure what we believe, our desire is to open up our hearts to you now so that you may speak into our lives and our minds and our spirits that we might be transformed from glory to glory so that we might be more like you and bring you glory and honour in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's look up together. Well, good morning. It's great to, um, to see you. We're going to take uh, continuing a theme, Unlikely Heroes, uh, which is what we've been looking at as a church over um, a few weeks. And we're going to continue with that. This morning, we're going to look at a man called Stephen. Stephen, an unlikely hero, is found in Acts chapter 6. So if you have a Bible, you might like to turn to Acts 6 just for a moment or two. A couple of weeks back, um, I shared on, um, when we started this series, on four friends that carried a paralyzed friend of theirs, a paralyzed man. And uh, I, I was speaking about this idea that uh, those four friends weren't named in that story, and yet they carried their friend who was healed by Jesus. They lowered him through a roof. And the idea there was that we're, we're encouraged to be carriers, carriers of the presence of Jesus and carriers for Jesus. So wherever we go, we can take his presence and we can carry others in prayer. Listen to that. That's a, that's a, that was a, a number of weeks ago. And on, on one of the evenings, in one of our evening meetings, we looked at Zacchaeus, another unlikely hero. I think it was on our evening gatherings. A man who loved money, became very wealthy. Wanted a, he, he, got, he was inquisitive to see who Jesus was, so he went up a tree, and he became intoxicated by the love of Jesus as he went, Jesus went to his house. And it brought about a complete change in this man's life that he said, I'll give away four times. If I've defrauded anyone, if I've took money, I'll give, 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 give. He had an about turn in his life because he met with the living Jesus. And incredible things happened. Ordinary people doing extraordinary things. So this morning, I want to look at learn something from maybe from the life of Stephen. And um, a comment I made a couple of weeks ago, a bit of a throwaway, was that, you know, ordinary is a bit underrated perhaps in life today. You know, being ordinary. It doesn't mean to say that you're no good. Because God often takes throughout the pages of the Old Testament and the New Testament just people from life. And, and, and initially, they don't seem to have a lot going for them. They were just, you know, farmers and people who were unlearned, people from little villages in the middle of nowhere. And God uh, takes them and uh, with people who, people who couldn't, Moses said, I can't speak. I, I've got a stutter. I'm, not, I'm no good. I can't do anything. And it appears throughout history, Bible history, and it's still present today that um, you know, in, when we come with our lives and we give our lives, as ordinary people, give your life to God, extraordinary things can happen. Well, I've got there, eventually. Extraordinary things can happen. And in this man, Stephen's life, um, he was performing the ordinary task of service and it ended up in the extraordinary act of sacrifice. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. Stephen was carrying out an ordinary task of service. He was waiting on tables. 
And his love for God led him, as he gave his life, into extraordinary sacrifice. So let's have a look at this together. So Acts chapter 6. Um, this, this, the account of Stephen is in the book of Acts, this amazing man. And um, it's from Acts 6 to 8. We're not going to read all of that. I'm just going to read a number of verses just in Acts 6. So if you have a Bible, you might like to turn with me just for a moment or two. Verse 1, it reads like this. In those days, then the number of disciples was increasing. The Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said... It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Tim, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. A little bit further on in verse 8. Now, Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among the people. Opposition, however, from members of the synagogue of the freemen, as it was called, Jews of Cyrene and Alexandria, as well as in the provinces of Cilicia and Asia, who began to argue with Stephen. Now, this argument goes on as the story goes on into um, Stephen being taken before the Sanhedrin and, and this is becoming really threatening now. He, he then shares a long discourse of who Jesus is and what he's achieved and how God's hand was coming upon the nation. And um, this angered the religious council more and more. And anger is brewing and brewing and brewing. And so I want to pick up the story now um, at, at, at a further point. So in um, Acts 7, verse 54, if you come with me. So this, this, um, this is at the end of Stephen um, speaking into the religious council with power and showing, showing up the religious for, for what they were. And then we go like this in verse 54. And when the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this, in verse 57, they covered their ears and, yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man called Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell to his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Incredible story. Um, it, it, it's, it's, you know, a short ministry and a short life, but a maximum impact, an amazing impact that we're going to see in the next few moments. And um, so we, we read in this account, that if you get a little bit of the background to this account, the church is growing. 
um, theologians and scholars and, and historians look at the time and they say round about this time, the Jerusalem church, the Jerusalem Christians were gathering, it's probably fifteen to 20,000 people at this time. The church is really beginning to grow in Jerusalem and some amazing things are happening. And, and at that time, Christians uh, were, were considered a sect of Judaism and the Jews, were, there was building resentment, building resentment as the church is getting now bigger and bigger. And we, we hear in this account, the church is, is, is growing it and, and uh, it's exciting but challenging. And uh, so becoming a Christian at that time became increasingly dangerous. The church is getting bigger and bigger. 120 people weren't a threat. Now 20,000 plus, it's it's getting bigger and bigger. It's becoming a threat uh, to the the Jewish establishment and uh, secular society. And so it's becoming increasingly dangerous to be a Christian. Um, If if you were a Christian uh, and a Jew becoming a Christian, um, you would be rejecting your whole life. The whole, the whole of social order, and so it, you, your family would sort of almost disown you, and you would be out on your own. And so for some people, for now a growing number of people, they had no means of life, of income, of, of, a, of a roof over their head. And so what the early church began to do was begin to look out for people uh, who, who had less than others. And, and so this is where this story is going, okay? There became an increasing group of people that needed support. And we read in this story, it was uh, um, in, in, at, this, at this time, if, if you were widowed, if you found yourself abandoned, if you found yourself on hard times. So I suppose that the, the modern equivalent would be sort of a bit like food bank today. The food bank is now helping people um, with food and people gaining help. And so in Judaism, you, you, you would give a, a, a levy of finance so that food could be bought and it would be collected and, and distributed to those in need. And the church continued this practice and needed this practice. And so what would happen, there, there would be a certain um, free will-like levy, a, a, a gift of money, that food was purchased, and then that food would be distributed to those that were in need. And so we pick up the story with this sort of background, and it says that the Hebraic Jews and the Hellenistic, the Hebraic and the Hellenistic believers, widows, there was a bit of discord. Uh, the Hebraic um, Christians were, were Christians that spoke Aramaic. They were Christians from a, a, um, an initial Jewish background. They're Hellenistic, they're Greek speakers, are, are, are believers of what they call from the diaspora. That's Jews that are spread around the, the, the Greek-speaking world and people that had converted to Judaism and now Christianity from the Greek-speaking world. Hellenism, Hellenistic. And so the Aramaic-speaking Christians and the, Hebraic, uh, um, and the Greek-speaking Christians, there, there was a bit of a discord. Now, whether um, what was being said was that the Hebraic Christians, the Aramaic speakers, were receiving support and the Greek speakers weren't. And so there was discord. Why are they being treated better than us type of thing was going on. Uh, church is exciting. People say, Acts, we want to get back to the time of Acts. Well, there was still stuff going on in life and stuff. Do you know what I mean? And, um, and so the apostles saw that there was, this needed to be sorted. Whether it was because of a, um, one was being favoured against the other, I'm not so sure whether that might have been happening. It might have been more a problem with language and people being missed out, perhaps. But anyway, there was an issue. And so the, to, 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 to get to the number of the, the story, the, the apostle said, well, we need to sort this out. But we, haven't, we need to give ourselves to um, the ministry of the word of God and prayer. So we now choose, choose among you seven key people to distribute 
the food. And their job would be to collect the finance and then buy the food and distribute it accordingly and make sure it got to the houses and was given to those that, were, that needed it. And that was the gist of the sort of background, the collection and distribution of the food. And so the, the people needed, and that, and that was their task. They were to serve, to collect and serve and make sure people got the food, uh, to administer the, 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 um, the, the giving of, of uh, aid and help and support. It was a great society. It was a great place to be, um, you know, at that time. And so seven servants are chosen. Seven servants. And that was their role. And it happens that they're all Greek speakers, by the way. The people that are mentioned, their names are from the Greek-speaking world. And so the church understood that there was an issue and a problem. And they wanted to put it, put it right. But primarily, their job was to serve. Not that this was under the the job of the apostles, it was a, a lesser thing. They needed to concentrate on a certain area, and this was another area that needed help uh, and support. And so they chose seven people to, to do that. But it was, you know, no great shakes. It was an ordinary task, you know, an, an ordinary job. And uh, that's what they were chosen to do. I don't know, sometimes, you know, um, you, know you, you could say, oh, well, you know, I want to be an apostle, you know, I like to do the healing bit and the, the speaking bit and standing at the, at the front bit. And, but uh, it wasn't that one was better than another. It was, it was an ordinary job, an ordinary task. And, and, and some good people were chosen. And, and so this is... Um, uh, and so, so let's look at their, their personality for a minute. Because, you see, um, one man here stands out, a man called Stephen comes to the fore. They're all named, but Stephen stands out as he, he begins to speak up and speak out as he's serving on tables and collecting the money and, 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 and distributing the food. Uh, uh, the, the other day, I think the, the, we had uh, the food bank, the food bank food that we collect as a church. Can I just say thank you, everybody that's involved in, in distributing for food bank. I think one of the things that food bank needs are things like you know tea and coffee, some of these type of things. So if, you, if you're thinking about that, it, um, that would be a great thing to... to... But the, the other day there was uh, some food and Carl was taking it out and I think some others were going to take it out. And I said, oh, well, I'll give you a hand. And uh, it was... We don't, you know, we only collect a little bit, but there were these two dirty great big bags for life, and they were filled with cans of this and cans. It was heavy stuff. It was heavy, quite heavy. And Carl's taking the car, and I said, I'll give you a hand. Uh, but, you know, uh, collecting and distributing food, it, that, that's the sort of thing that Stephen did. And when we read this story, he was raising the dead, he was doing miracles. But, but primarily, he got on with a job. And it would have been heavy and dirty and not many people, you know, uh, in the background. A bit of an ordinary type of thing to do. But um, let's look at their personalities for just a moment or two. Then I'll, I'll make a couple of comments on this. But what we see is this. It says, uh, choose seven from among you. And it, it says in the text there, so it's not going to come up on screen. So you need to just look back to your Bible. And I just want to do this. I've done it on purpose so we can do that. So if you look back at your Bible in, in chapter 6, verse 3, it says, let them be known, let them, uh, um, they, they are to be known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. Okay, and then it says later on that Stephen was a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit. Known to be. That's an interesting little phrase there. Do you see it in the NIV? Choose from among you 
those who aren't known to be, um, they were already trusted and respected. They had to be people of character. They weren't superheroes. They were just people like you and me, normal people, but with character. Because they, they had to be trusted. They were collecting money and distributing food. So let them know it's a, a simple thing. A simple thing about character. And this is the thing in life. This is something very interesting. Uh, just, just normal character. If you can bring your, your character, it's, it's a big thing. It's not a thing that we talk about a lot today. Character and the normality of just a, just a normal character, just bringing our lives before God. But they, they, he, he had a, ca- a character of, of trust, as it were. Um, it's a bit underrated, the, the idea of, of, of character. Um, interesting, people going for leadership of different of the, a, a certain party, coming out of the woodwork, I've done this, I've done that, and maybe I'm, because they're all having to say what they're really like, because uh, if it's going to come out, if somebody gets the dirt on them anyway. But, but character is sort of underrated, but there's something about just not being a superhero, but just to be trusted. I can be dependable. It's, it's, it's a pretty underrated sort of thing. I, I, I'll turn up and I can be dependable. And if I say I'll do it, I will. And, and, and you know, I'll, I'll be as honest as I can be. I'm not perfect. I don't think Stephen was perfect. But there was this aspect of to be, and they all had to be of that. There's this idea of, of being trusted. And it says that full of the spirit and wisdom. What does it mean to be full of? The word full there means, it speaks of influence. Influence. Uh, it's the idea there is of being consumed and controlled. And so when it means to be full of the Spirit, full of wisdom, it's interesting. See, if I say we're gonna, we want you to be full of the Spirit, immediately we, we'll be thinking, oh, right, um, anointing, um, uh, prophetic gift, um, healing. Absolutely, there, there is that dimension, and that's absolutely correct. But if we come right Come back before that, because that's the tip of the iceberg. Underneath is the iceberg. If you come back to the, underneath the iceberg, the, the idea of the word full is uh, to be consumed, controlled. Uh, Paul says, be filled with the Spirit. It means be fully influenced in the, the letter to the Ephesians. And so the idea of being full there means to be consumed. Consumed by the Holy Spirit. Consumed by God. Influenced. Fully influenced, controlled, as it were. If you are filled with rage, you're controlled by rage and anger. If you're, 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 you're filled with fear, we're consumed by fear. Do, do, you, do you hear that? And so to be full of the Spirit means to be consumed, controlled. Now, our desire is to give and yield our lives. This is why the Apostle Paul said to the Ephesian believers, be filled. We think it's just an immediate, that's it, there and then. But it means an ongoing Influence, consume, controlled. That's underneath the surface of the iceberg. The tip of the iceberg is the outworking of that. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, the raising of the dead, the release of prophetic gift, the healing gifts. Um, and so there's this idea there of this being built up. But, but, but you know, and, and we're all called it, it's, it's, it, to be naturally supernatural, as it were. And uh, the idea of the spirit there, so, it's to be, so it says, he says there to, they to be known, to be full of uh, the spirit and then wisdom. The, the idea, and this is to, this is serving up table, as they might say in Yorkshire. It's incredible, isn't it? The spirit, character, and charismata. 
The idea of the Spirit means, the uh, Holy Spirit brings the grace of God. So it's, it's the, all of the, 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 the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, the fruit, the Spirit, but also of the grace gifts, you know, prophecy, uh, tongues of interpretation, of uh, healing, of wisdom. Um, it goes on to say, so, and so there's this, there's this there's the idea of being known, to be full to, of the Spirit, and, and also to be full of, of wisdom. The idea of wisdom there is, is in the East is practical and ethical. The wisdom there is to be practical and ethical. To know what to do, when to do, and how to do it. And when by. And so, so because those who, who waited on tables needed to be sensitive. And they needed to know when and how and why. And be sensitive to the hearts of people. And, and so there's this, there's, they're, 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 these things, they're, they're so underrated. Uh, he goes on to say um, of, Stephen, of, uh, of Stephen that he was f- also full of faith. And the power of the Spirit. Faith. To be faith means to literally, um, to, be, to rely, to be fully reliant on God. We, we, we build up faith to be something that I have to really flex and get to and be perfect towards and have to read more and be better and be super amazing and superhero kind. And, and, but faith is, is rely. Just rely. And Jesus said, if you rely just a speck of mustard seed, just, just rely a little bit, then amazing things can happen. It's amazing. It's amazing. Full of faith. Uh, you see, um, faith is conviction and courage. And Stephen was a man who would display incredible conviction and amazing courage. That's why we need faith. Ordinary people can do extraordinary things. You see, and so we have a bit of a sort of a character. It's, it's, a, it's a thumbnail character sketch of an ordinary man. Just an ordinary man who, 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 would, who served with, with uh, tables but would go on to do extraordinarily give his life. Um, I, I would say this, and I've said this so many times, that when we do what we can do, God will do what we can't do. I found that if I'm faithful in, with little and in little, I seem to get entrusted with more, for more. That's where the extraordinary comes. I, I, I want to just, and I see this, you see this in Stephen. It might not be explicit, uh, implicit rather. It's implicit rather than explicit, I'd rather. We see with Stephen a man who gave himself to wait at tables, which is a great task. And he might have done that in the background. But also, with that little, it's, it becomes much. It becomes much. Jesus said in Matthew 25, verse uh, 23, he, he, he shares a story, a parable. And he goes on to say this in verse 23 uh, of this parable of a, of, a, of, a, of a good servant. It says, his master said to him, well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter the joy of your master. I'll read it again. Just for a moment. Re- listen to this again. Jesus said, his master said to him, well done, good and faithful slave or servant. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter the joy of your master. Do you feel that you've been left out? Do you feel that you're doing your little old life? You, um, you know, um, you, 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 you might think that you're not doing very much for God. You're pretty ordinary. Um, you know, 
you, you know, what the little bit that you do doesn't seem to do very much, or can I do anything? I, I'd say this, if you do it for him, if you, in whatever you might think, that you've been left out, sidelined, if you give your heart to him, if you give your life to God, if you just give your heart to him in, in the simple, that, that thing that you're doing, this is what Stephen did, that which he did, he gave it to God. I can, you can, I can see, I can see something there. See, in the simple, smaller things, if you feel you've been sidelined, just give your life. Don't walk away in a huff. Just give your life to God. And that simple thing of giving your life seems to open up a greater way. It's amazing. If you, if you feel that what you're doing isn't much good, just give what you are doing. Don't, don't, don't just throw it aside and talk yourself out of something. Because when you do something with the little or do something like that, you seem to get something more. There seems to be more. God entrusts and entrusts us even more. An opening comes. A way opens up. It appears to multiply. Now with Stephen, that's exactly what happens with him. You find with him, he does the ordinary task of service, waiting on tables. Nothing, nothing particularly extraordinary. But as he gives his life to that, and as he, you know, he could, he could, have, he could have said, actually, I'm a great speaker, because he was. Actually, I've got the anointing, because he hid, did and had. He could have said, serving on tables, I should be with you guys praying and ministering the word and, and standing with the apostles. But he didn't. He had all of that, and yet he, did, he served, he served. There was something in his heart that allowed him to give himself in the ordinary task, in the ordinary. And then the extraordinary seemed to multiply. Ordinary task of service, waiting at tables, led to an extraordinary act of sacrifice, sitting at a table in heaven with Jesus himself. It's incredible, 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 extraordinary gift of life that he gave. It says that they became so angry with him that they got hold of him, took him outside the city and stoned him. Do you know, um, it, it, it doesn't sound very nice, but stoning is awful. It's evil. Some years ago, many years ago, I was pastoring in another part of the country and I went to visit an Iranian young man. I got this call. It was a center for um, people escaping from the certain parts of the world. And this Iranian young man said, I want to become a Christian. Uh, I won't mention his name because it, it, yeah, anyway, give him anonymity. And uh, anyway, so I went to visit him and uh, he said, you must see this. You must see this. He was, he was a very clever young man, a doctor, a GP. Brilliant. Very, very intelligent. Wants, wanted to give his life to God. He, so he, he said, but I'm going to show you a stoning. I said, hey, what do you mean? So he it was in the, it's a bit of a while ago, so we put a video in, VHS, right? You know, we've gone away from that. We're streaming on a, on a memory stick now, right? But anyway, so it's a bit of a while ago. He put this video, so I sat down. I won't describe it in all its gory detail, but it was a lady being stoned. It was horrific, awful. I had to say to him after, and it, it, they weren't little pebbles. These were boulders. Uh, it was, it was, it was um, evil, horrifying. I had to say to him after 30 seconds, oh, turn it off, turn it off, turn it off. Um, and he said, see, this is what happens in the land that I come from. You don't know, you don't know. Uh, we talked, he'd become a Christian in his home country of Iran and had to escape and he wanted to bring his family and we prayed. Anyway, he started coming to the church and, and an Iranian fellowship started to meet, meet at that church for a season. Stoning is awful. Um, they take you out of the city 
to a high place and then they would throw someone off the edge of the cliff, as it were. If that didn't kill you, they then picked up not little pebbles, but boulders and would then hurl them down to pulverize the person. This is what happened to Stephen. This is what happened to Stephen. Now, he's an extraordinary man. He did an extraordinary gift of giving his life. And uh, it says that of him there, the extraordinary sense of sacrifice and forgiveness. He was graced with a sense of sacrifice and forgiveness. We read there, he goes on to say of his death, it says, full of the Holy Spirit, he looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I can see heaven open, the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Verse 59, it says, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Verse 60, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. There's incredible forgiveness. He died an amazing death. It wasn't a pitiful death. It was a triumphant death. But it was a pitiful death. It was an evil death. But it was something beautifully triumphant as he sees Jesus and forgives those around him. Bible scholars say that the way in which he forgives, it echoes everything that Jesus did. He's the first martyr. He was a miracle worker. He raised the dead and healed the sick. And he preached, and when he spoke, he spoke with great authority and unction. Miracles, but he was also a martyr. He had the gift of healing, and he gave the gift of his life in the most extraordinary way. He wasn't muted, because extraordinary things happened at his death. He was the first martyr of the, of the church. There have been many martyrs. More people being martyred today, Christians, than has ever been in the history of the church. Okay, And... Um, uh, it says of there, he, he, he gives incredible sense of forgiveness. So this is, as he's done, and an amazing thing happens. Um, it had a tremendous effect on Paul, probably in later life. Some scholars say that his thorn in the flesh might have been his memory of standing. It says there at the end of, of that, at the uh, uh, beginning, uh, um, uh, it was Saul that approved in chapter 8. Saul approved killing him. Uh, they laid people laid their coats at the name of a, at the feet of a young man called Saul. Says in that chapter seven, there end of seven, and so it had a profound effect on Saul. Most Bible scholars would actually say so. There's Saul being affected, becoming later to become Paul, the greatest evangelist of the church. And what happened with this was Paul became incredibly affected by this man's Stephen's death, but also a persecution started immediately after that, and then the church was scattered. At that time, 20,000 people were Christians in Jerusalem. From then on, the church was scattered. They were in Jerusalem, but scattered across the world. And uh, in about the next 30 years, several hundred thousand people became Christians. The church began to spread. And all these years later, because of, of, of Stephen's death and the scattering sacrifice of the church, there are now billions of people that would claim to be Christians. You see, it multiplied. Extraordinary. His death was an extraordinary act of sacrifice, but it achieved extraordinary things. It had a profound effect upon Saul, who became Paul, who evangelized the church and planted hundreds of churches all across the Roman world. And then the church spread. And now today, we are, the church spread from, a, could have been just 20,000 people. You say, what's well, a big church? But it would have been just a church in Jerusalem. And now the church is around the whole world with billions of people claiming to be Christians. You know, ordinary people can do extraordinary things. And um, Stephen, um, his, the extraordinary way in which he gave his life, and the life that he lived very shortly, 
uh, achieved a multiplying effect on the, on the church. Most historians and Bible theologians now say it led to the church growing at an even f- more phenomenal rate. It, it was, was unbelievable. I want to close with this. The life, um, the life application commentary of Acts asked this question. Inspired by Stephen, this is the life application commentary on Acts, it says this, inspired by Stephen, would you be willing, I was reading this to me, would you be willing to die for God, to die for him? Would you be willing to die for him? Um, more the question, it said, um, are you really willing to live for him? Bringing your ordinary life, giving it over fully to God, are you really truly willing to live? I mean, to truly live for God is to give our all, isn't it? Now, you know, maybe not literally die, as in lose our lives. Many are today around the world. But uh, to possess that sense of urgent giving over of my life to him, that's that's what it's getting at. In the light of Stephen's ordinary life that he gave extraordinarily, to God, will we possess that sense of urgent giving our lives to the cause of Christ, to Jesus, to Christ? Will we? If we can do that, I guarantee where you are, who you are, where you're at, with maybe the little that you think that you have, the ability that you think that you might wish you had more, um, nobody sees what you do throughout the week at work in your neighborhood, at college. 90% of the time is going to be away from here. We're gathered 10% of the time. 10% gathered, 90% scattered church. And as we go to scatter, will you take your life and live it for him? And live it for him? You know, my ordinary life, lived for him, can achieve extraordinary things. Let's pray. Worship team are going to come back and we're going to just conclude together this morning but let's just lay hold of that will we live for him you might say well that's a silly question adrian i'm here today i've been coming to this church i i i i yeah maybe it's a silly question but um should we stand together should we open our hearts and say lord i want to live for you i give you my marriage give you my life as a husband or a wife, as a dad, a mum. I give you my life as part of the gathered church here. I give you my life when I'm scattered at work, working at the hospital, the school, the factory, the office. Maybe you're a manager and you manage people. Maybe you feel that you know, you've been missed out in church. I tell you, just give your life He seems to multiply. The little that we give, give it all to him. You don't think much of yourself. Well, give yourself to him. He he seems to open up an extraordinary way. He seems to open up. See our hearts this morning. Father God, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, we give ourselves to you. You who the one who gave up everything, Jesus, gave up heaven itself equality with God not something to be held on to but took the form of a man and gave yourself even to death 
we might come and bring our lives this morning and say, we want to give ourselves to you. Take my life. Take my life. Take my hands. Take my intellect or lack of it. Take my heart. give my all to you now if that's you this morning just in your own words in the next 30 seconds of silence for some of us it's you need to give yourself to God for the very first time others of us to renew our relationship with him (coughs) whatever it is just give whatever it is he's calling you to give should we just do that in our hearts and minds just in the next 30 seconds silently Jesus, take my ordinary life and let it be in you extraordinary. Whatever that means. Whatever that means. In Jesus' name. Amen. So let's make that our prayer. Let's go in his love. Let's go in peace. Let's go in grace. Let's go in his power. And take from this gathered church experience something for the 90% of our week in scattered church now. We're going to go and scatter. We're gathered as church. So take from this gathered experience and anointing something for that scattered experience as church across your week and my week and be blessed in Jesus' name. God bless you.